Hey, Peter. Hey, Adam. You ready to go on a bit of a dive for one of the greats? It'd be my pleasure. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Daily music advice coming at you. Coming at you today, we are sponsored by OpenStudioJazz.com. Go to OpenStudioJazz.com uh, for all of your piano course needs. We also have courses by a lot of other instrumentalists, including Christian McBride, Sean Jones, Diane Reeves, Gregory Hutchinson, Ulysses Owens Jr., who just did a live for us, by the way, this past week. I feel like everybody uh, just did a live for us in the past week. Dude, we are live and out. <laughs> it's lit live and it's wiring. live. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so today, this came out of, speaking of live, this came out of a live thing we were doing the other day. That's right. On Saturdays, we've been doing, are we going to keep doing that? Let's keep doing the little Saturday session. That's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It really is, yeah. Saturdays, we do all, we go live on the IG, as the, as the children's are saying, uh, which is uh, Instagram, um, for what we say, and go on the yeah. Open Studio Instagram, and we do some live, you'll hear it, episodes, and we bring on some different uh um, listeners on the actual video to ask questions and uh yeah we just do it up sometimes i'm sitting in my backyard if the weather's nice sometimes you're sitting in your hammock if you're feeling uh, particularly lazy but we just do it it's, it's like a weekend vibe it's to remind us what the weekend is during the quarantines period can i just defend my hammock no you so, may not anyway so okay <laughs> no go ahead no you know i'm living here with with you know my lovely wife heather and our two beautiful children who i wouldn't trade for much of anything. Well, that's good because it's, it's illegal in Missouri <laughs> to trade your children. We've already established that. But we don't live in a huge house. And sometimes there's no quiet seat in my house besides my hammock. Right. But no, and but so just the fact why... that you've got a hammock, is I love that, as one of your choices. Like, wow, so many places to sit. None of them quiet except for my hammock. <laughs> and even sometimes I'll be out in my hammock and like <laughs> one of them will sneak up on me and I'll be like, ah. Right. This right. is my peaceful hammock. Leave me alone. And also, I'm having a Zoom meeting, if you haven't noticed. I'm live on IG. <laughs> Man, how Zoom meetings have, have invaded our lives. That's crazy. They're um, everywhere. Well, today we are paying tribute to a gentleman that we lost uh, a little over a month ago, Mr. McCoy Tyner. And, um, you know, to, to say, you know, we often say such and such was a giant of the music. She was a giant of the music. He was a, a giant of the music. Um, but we have to say this. You know, we could put a lot of those aside when we talk about McCoy Tyner because truly a giant of so many different areas of the music. And, you know, as we prepare for this, I was reminded uh, what an influence McCoy Tyner was on our generation of musicians, basically on everybody who came up with him. So we're talking yeah. about, you know, John Coltrane, you know, Herbie Hancock, all the musicians that were around Chick him Korea. and his contemporaries all the way through today. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, his music runs so deep. We're, we're going to be, you know, at least two parts, two days on this. We really could go weeks, you know, just. And we talk about McCoy all the time, but this is really our humble little just, just tribute to McCoy Tyner. You know, the, the old saying is that, you know, the masters, you can tell by their playing after a few seconds. Um, I think that's actually the, one of the most challenging on the piano because of your, your kind of your beholden to the instrument that you're on at that time. And so there are only, I would say, less than, for me, less than 10 pianists with when, which uh, just a few seconds, I can immediately tell who they are. And McCoy is one of them. I don't know how he got that, you know, even just comping, right? We were, we put on Blue Bassa for an hmm. episode the other day, Joe Henderson's Blue Bassa. And just the first few chords, I was like, 
that's McCoy's sound on Blue Bossa. How did he get, like, how is that possible that you could immediately recognize him so perfectly just by a, a few well-placed chords? I think that really is a testament to what a strong and original voice he was in the music. And, I mean, his influence is, it's hard to understate, or hard to, sorry, hard to overstate how influential he was on all of us, not just pianists, but all musicians. I know so many saxophonists who who beg me to comp like McCoy. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> you know well, and then over the you know, we're, my we're life, looking at, you know. at a situation where he was hugely and is and will be hugely influential uh, on generations of pianists, musicians, but then also even on musicians that don't realize that they're being influenced and how they're being influenced by McCoy because he had such a reach, you know, within among his contemporaries and stuff. And then he was such a, you know, a humble guy. Uh, But wow. Well, let's get to some of his music because that's what speaks uh, best form. But I was also, it was fun for this when we were looking up some of the dates because it's always fun to kind of put that together. You know, McCoy was playing his McCoy stuff from a very young age. (laughs) He learned his McCoy stuff way earlier than I learned my McCoy stuff. He really had it together. (laughs) He He really had his McCoy stuff together. Well, so we started off and we kind of debated about what we should start with. But Passion Dance, I think, is is the perfect choice because it's from the real McCoy, which is arguably his most uh, well-known solo endeavor under his own name. And it's the opening track. And he's just playing just so beautifully throughout that whole track. So uh, check out Passion Dance if you're new to McCoy Tyner and you want to know, like, what is the the quintessential work? I think that entire album, The Real McCoy, start to finish, is amazing. Um, But then, so we're going to go back a little bit to his his debut Mm. uh, uh, under his own name with his trio. McCoy Tyner Trio is the name name that this album's under, and it's Reaching Forth. Yes. good and i hate to even cut it off but do you think that like listening to that i was just thinking like do you think the reason why he had so much influence is or one of the many reasons probably is that for pianists like when you hear that there's so much joy in that and it seems so fun to be able to play like that you know what i mean it seems like he's just had like like you feel like you're flying you know when you're playing like that in that way I I get that sense. I, I remember being a young pianist and wishing I could do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like that. I mean, still kind of <laughs> wish I could do that yeah. just like that. But but as you start to learn, 
you know, how to play like that. It just, it's a really freeing thing. It's very cool. Yeah. I mean, he had that, that especially, you know, even early on, he had that bounce with the lines and like here you're hearing him a lot more connected with the bebop vocabulary, <clears throat> but he's sure. already got that very strong, you know, left hand, the octaves, the fifths and the left hand, that power. I mean, I don't think there's been any other pianist in any style of music that's, uh, pulled the kind of sound out of the instrument that McCoy did. But then again, at this, I, I mean, he was young here. He was like early, what was he, you know, 24 years old, 23 years old yeah. when he made his record. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, he, because he was so wrapped up with the Van Gelder sound, these were, you know, all these records on Impulse, I think all of them, I know this one was, were, were made at Van Gelder's studio, which was a very, uh, I mean, a, a lot of people recorded there and it kind of, it was such a, a particular sound especially like for the piano you know the way that he yep. mic'd the piano and stuff and there was almost like a little bit of a thinness to it uh i mean i hate mm -hmm. to say thinness because it was a great sound but almost like a, a narrow kind of piano mm -hmm. sound i would say and very separated left and right and stuff with the different instruments but there was that clarity there but mccoy you know both had that bounce and that power coming out and then was so wrapped around that impulse sound you know i think probably more than anybody and, and you talk about you know we listened to real mccoy earlier that was the first record that i really like that i remember buying that lp that was my first mccoy and i'd heard him yeah, like on too. wayne shorter because i was so into herbie and then this yep. was all in a couple months and then i got a record like a wayne shorter record by accident that had mccoy tyner i was like who's this that's not herbie that i heard yeah. i was like what and so i just went and tried to find the first record i could which was real mccoy man yeah i remember i i also real mccoy was my first mccoy's uh, mccoy album under his name and just listening to that passion dance and being like, what is going on? Yeah. You know, but now this so reaching cool. forth, I'm actually, I always thought a lot of people know about this. This was kind of under the radar for a long time. And I believe it yep. was his first one on imp his first solo record on impulse. But I yeah. think it's an incredible record and it's, and I, we got to say it's featuring Henry Grimes at the base who we just lost a few That's weeks right. ago. Very tragic. Another musician, great musician during this, this pandemic that we lost, uh, but amazing bass player. And he was kind of off the scene, kind of nobody knew where he was for years. And then he recently, surface like 20 years ago 15 years ago and had a great resurgence another great philadelphia musician and of course the great roy haynes who's still yeah. you know doing his thing and and i mean to me reaching forth is is one of the great trio records and it's not talked about a lot yeah i also i just love it so much have you met with jones uh, is killing on that uh, yeah um i love i love hearing mccoy do standards as well we're going to get into more of that in part two tomorrow yeah cool uh, but let's move on. So, so obviously, one of the biggest parts of McCoy's career was playing in the John Coltrane Quartet with Elvin Jones. Who? And uh, <laughs> you ever heard of John Coltrane, <laughs> Jimmy Garrison, Elvin Jones, McCoy Tyner rounded out that quartet, and just in incredible musicians all the way around, all four of them. And I think for me, I mean, there are so many defining moments that you could pick from. We're going to pick a couple here in a row. We're going to pick three actually in a row. Mm. Uh, but the first one that I, that we have on this list, I think is for me, it was the most important in unlocking a bunch of, of ideas for music of this era and the, the sound of this quartet. And this is Crescent off of the album Crescent from the John Coltrane Quartet. Mm. Thank you. 
sound, yeah. sound, 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 sound. Man, I'm so glad you played. You let that uh, play all the way up. That whole, you know, rubato introduction, introductory section. I mean, there's yeah, so much yeah. there, just comping wise and musical wise from McCoy. I mean, of course, we're here at all the great souls, but on this one, it's all about just the support and, and the locking in with that. And I mean, already just a couple of years later, what, like one year later, a couple of years later, I guess, from real McCoy, you know, yeah. that that totally different sound, but still McCoy. It's pretty awesome. And and I think if, if there are any young pianists out there that want to know how to handle rubato sections, you know, these records with Coltrane are, I think, the, the definitive textbook on how to do that. You know, and we'll actually, let's keep it rolling here because uh, just the very next record from this album, from this quartet, was the Love Supreme album. And uh, just it opens with another rubato section. And it's just one of the most gorgeous moments, I think, in, in 20th century music. <laughs> I just want to pause there just because yeah. I just and listen to it again because it intuitively it seems like if something like that has happened you're going to make you're going to do something similar to what someone else in the band is doing right that's that's called fitting the vibe quote unquote yeah. but listen to what he's playing and how it fits in with everybody else <laughs> Like and just to, to pause it briefly again before it gets into the groove, but to think about, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out some fairly uh, punchy, thick chords yeah. as all this like sh- shiny, shimmering things, yeah. and it's a contrast that I think is maybe wouldn't be all of our first instincts, right. but is such a beautiful artistic choice. It's like pulling out, you know, like you, you're going to prom, senior prom. You got to, yeah. you know, everybody's wearing their shiny, shimmery gowns, and, and you bust out a little a little blue ruffle, a little blue yeah. ruffle tux. But coming yeah. in, coming in, you know, coming in confident <laughs> and beautiful. But but it doesn't. It's not in a standout. Hey, look at me way. No. But in a this is what this needs yeah. right here. Yeah. You guys have this part covered. I mean, I think with uh, this, I mean, you know, we we could do thirty episodes just on the John Coltrane Quartet and how yeah. those four pieces go together. But it's very much, um, you know, McCoy's contribution to the sound. You can't pull anybody's away. I mean, it's the John Coltrane Quartet. But I think this is one of the only. Uh, you know, sort of groups, trio, quartet. Well, I guess you could look at like the Oscar Peterson trio, you know, with Ray Brown and Ed Thigpen. These uh, groups where it's named after one person, but everybody's contribution, you know, although it ebbs and flows, of course, depending on the music, but can be so innovative, so personal, yet so complementary with each other. I mean, you talk about, you know, Elvin Jones and like, I mean, with the gong at the beginning and then, you know, the way he plays the cymbals, so distinctive and personalized. But what McCoy's playing there is so confident and so, but also so complimentary and so McCoy and so forward, forward thinking at the same time. It's pretty amazing, man. Yeah, that the whole band. And like you said, like, you know, 
obviously John Coltrane played with other musicians throughout his career under his name. But when people talk about the John Coltrane Quartet, they mean this band particularly. Right. Absolutely. Where everybody had a voice. I just want to listen to just a little bit more just to where uh, right right up to where Coltrane comes in. Dude, I want to listen to a lot more. I mean, we can listen to this whole track. It's only eight minutes. <laughs> Contrast there yeah. to what Jimmy Garrison and Elvin Jones are doing. Did you hear what he and did it, right before Train came in when uh, that interaction, that rhythmic? Yes. Inter- oh my god! Like Elvin kind of did went to another kind of little bounce, and McCoy just played like the perfect kind of compliment without parroting and throwing it back. And it's yeah. very subtle. It, a lot of great without stuff like winking that. at him at all. It was very much yeah. just like this goes here with this. It's just amazing, yeah. man. It really is just amazing. Well, so we'll do one more uh, today, and we'll do a part two tomorrow. Does it sound good? I think. No, why don't we leave everything till tomorrow? Because I'm looking at this. Oh, no. Yeah. Let's do one more. And then because tomorrow's cool. We have some surprises. They're not necessarily surprises, but they're ones that we really think that uh, folks might might have slept on these some of these recordings and compositions that we're excited to, to highlight. So. So tonight we'll go out in the same era with the same band. And this is from this is back from Crescent. So we played Crescent before. And this is well, this is the second track on Crescent. Right? Oh, right. 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 Lon, Lonnie's Lament. Can, is there any way to start right on his solo? Uh, let's find it. Yeah. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with what happens before then, but, or even a little before then, but I love the way it's. Again, again, with the, with the rebottoms. Yeah, long you know, rebottoms. Beautiful. So. No, no, no. Uh, a little before that, a little before. Hey, we can start where we want. There it is. On this one, man. I like this. That's that's my that's my jam right there. Ah, 
man, the patience of that. And then he breaks out that long. Yeah. It's a very patient. I mean, like, you know, all the chordal, beautiful chordal and melodic chordal movement at the beginning of the solo really sets it up. And I mean, it's so much C minor. It's all C minor. You know, although he does kind of take it to some other places, but it's a C minor vibe. And so he's certainly hitting it at like two fiveness in there. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes to a big, big A flat kind of, you know, pedal point thing. That's great. Yeah. Lonnie's Lament, to me, I mean, you know, we're going to, we're, tomorrow we're going to hear some great stuff. So please come back, you guys. Excited about tomorrow. But, and I mean, stuff on, on Real McCoy, of course, and so many things. But to me, if you, if someone were to say, what is his greatest solo, you, you couldn't go wrong with saying Lonnie's Lament for sure. Well, until tomorrow, you'll hear it. McCoy Tyner. Mm-hmm.